Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father Almighty God, tonight we ask, O oh Lord, that in your kindness and in your mercy, that through everything you do and everything you are, we ask you to take absolute control. We worship you, we exalt you, we ask that you guide us tonight. Most of all, Lord, change us, glorify your name, and make tonight simple, and let's have some fun. We ask it in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. We're going to be talking about something that all of us probably are facing one way or another. And so we're going to be talking about um, changing jobs, changing plans, but we're going to summarize it under one word. And then we're going to have some fun walking through the Bible. Okay. So ladies and gentlemen, um, today the word, so I'll put, so that you understand what we're doing um, to talk about changing plans, changing jobs. So that's what we're going to focus on today. Um, a lot of the reason we're doing it is this. My aim today and for the next couple of weeks is to help you understand how to draw out of the Bible things you can use on a day-to-day -day basis. So by the end of today, we've got quite a, we've got a few examples. And so by the end of today, I hope that you'll have about six or seven principles that you can use immediately, especially if you're looking for work or you're facing some kind of change, and more than likely you are. Because for all of us, like we said, I mean, the new normal is a fun phrase, but it has great implication. It means everything we have known is no longer. That we have to make adjustments, and that is going to happen for all of us. And so, ladies and gentlemen, as we begin today, so we're going to look at how the, we draw from the Bible. So it's going to be, as much as I'm going to be leading you through the examples, what I want to do is I want to show you how I do it. I want to explain so it's not, there's no, um, so it doesn't come across like it's it just magic. It happened. The Bible's in front of you and the, how we can draw the principles from it to look at practical issues of life. That's what I want to do. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, so we begin. Right. Um, we're going to be looking at what I have called detours. Now, the reason I said, the reason, because it's such a wide topic and we have such a limited amount of time, but if we look at all the detours, people that have taken detours from a normal path or a familiar path in the Bible, let's see what the Bible tells us as to how those people dealt with it how they, um, what that we can learn from it and then what we can apply, okay? Got a few examples. Also, I've got some negative examples like we had last time and I've got some positive examples, but um, I realize I am very, very conscious about time, okay? All right, so let's get down to business. Detours. So let me deal with a negative example. Uh, so, and we'll deal with the negative and then we'll go into the positive. Last week, we did it the other way around. We went with positives. So today we're going to deal with the negative one. Please turn in your Bible um, to 
Genesis chapter 11. And I'm going to Okay, Genesis chapter 11, and then what we're going to do is we're going to look at the detail. Now, um, in Genesis chapter 11, you'll find in Genesis 11, there are some really amazing sections about unity and about building. But we're going to go down to talk about Abraham's father. And Abraham's father, and so he's the first detail that we're going to have a look at. He's in Genesis 11. And in Genesis 11, I'm going to read from verse 25 for, for sake of, um, for, because of time. Um, I will change, let me just change my version. I'm going to read, um, let me read the modern King James. And so I'm going to read from verse 25, modern King James. You can read it in the new King James. You can follow along in the NIV or anyone that's, you, you feel so if there's anything that is unclear, pop it into the chat and we'll pick it up from there. But Genesis 11, verse 25, and this is um, detail number one. After he fathered Terah, Nahor lived 119 years and he fathered sons and daughters. And Terah lived 70 years and fathered Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Verse 28, now this is key. For the first time I found in scripture, or the second time I found in scripture, apart from where a murder happens, that's in Genesis 4. Now, this is what I found in the genealogy of reading from all the way from Adam up to Abraham. This is the first time I found that a son dies before his father from natural causes or from whatever causes they are. So it's a very, 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 very unusual situation. And so we find the Bible says, verse 28, and the Bible says, and Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his birth in Ur of the Chaldeans. The Bible then says, and Abraham and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. Different seven. And Terah took Abraham, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abraham's wife. And he went forth. That means he, he left with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. Then the Bible says, and they came to Haran and lived there. And the days of Terah were 205 years. And Terah died in Haran. Now, this is an interesting detail. It's a the reason why I said it's a negative example. Notice the Bible says, Terah, Abraham, Lot, and everybody else, they set out from Ur, and they were on their way to the land of Canaan. Somewhere along the line, they stop. They stop at a place, and interestingly, the place is called Haran, which is exactly the same name as the son that they've lost. And the Bible says, 
they stop their journey. Now, this is what you must realize. This is, this is what I want you to notice. When you go to Genesis 12 from verse 1, the Bible says something, and I want you to look at it, and then we'll make our point. So, Genesis 12, verse 1. Let me just go to the next verse. Got it. And the Bible says, And Jehovah said to Abraham. Now, the Bible in the King James Version says, And God had said to Abraham, Go out of your country, from your kindred, and from your father's house, into a land that I will show you, and history begins. The question is, why did they spend so long in Haran? And this is what I want you to notice about the first thing about detours. When you have a detour or when your plans change, just because something tragic happens, do not short circuit the plans that God gave you before the tragedy. Because what you realize when you look at that story, Haran might have been a town, but it is memorialized in this place is okay. It's not where we were going, but it is okay. And the Bible said they stayed there until Terah died, who was the head of their family. Why am I saying it like this? The first thing you must realize about detours is this. A detour may exist for a reason, but if it is not the destination that God said you should go to, do not build your house there. So let me put it in context. First thing about changing plans is this. Where your dreams, what God has shown you, where they point to, do not give up until God says so. They stopped in Haran, and when Terah passes, God says, right, continue your journey to where you were going originally, and this is what I will do for you. And notice how he motivates Abraham in Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3. He said, I will be with you. I will make you a great nation. I will, I will cause, um, I will make things happen for you. I will bless you. So he literally has to pick Abraham up and say, listen, this is not where we were aiming for. Even though it's been good to you, this is not where you're going. And so ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to realize is this. Sometimes you may have to take a job or you may have you may find yourself in a place that is different from where you started out if it is not where god said you should go then don't give up on the dream okay that doesn't mean you should ditch everything and leave before god says but don't give up on the dream Detours are that. They are temporary places that are necessary for you, um, for you to go forward. All right. It is 1913. So let's, let's pause for a moment. I'll, I'll, I'll end that point there. And let's pause for a moment. And we're going to 
take our declaration. Thank you for putting that in the chat. That was very kind of you. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's all say this together. Oh, Lord, we are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves and we pray. We seek your faith. We turn from our wicked ways. Hear from heaven, Lord. Forgive our sins and heal our land in Jesus' name. Amen. Second, we declare our land is healed in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. 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 So, amen, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely amen. amazing. So let's continue. So first point about detours. Detours are temporary. That means if you find yourself on a detour, it's not the end of the world. But if it's not where God pointed you to, even if it's comfortable, don't stay there. Are we together? All right. Now, one other thing I want to show you. Um, so what I'll do is I'll go to the next one. So that's the first thing about details. Details are temporary. They are necessary, but they're temporary. That means keep your eyes on the price for a scripture reference that you can hold on to, because I want to give you things that you can hold on to. So what, how do you pray if you're on a detour? Proverbs 29, verse 18. The Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But happy is he that keepeth the Lord. That's the King James Version. So when you're praying every day that, Lord, the picture you showed me, this is not it. I trust you. And that is where I'm going. So you're constantly speaking the picture that God put in front of you. You're reminding yourself. You're looking at where you're going. You're speaking it over your life. Okay? So that's the first thing about detours. It's a negative example. This time, something tragic happened. And they memorialize the tragedy by where they are. So all of a sudden, the place is called Haran. It draws those emotions. And they say, we're not moving. Ladies and gentlemen, Stay with God. Are we together? Proverbs 29 verse 18 speaks about God showing you a vision. Um, and so that's the last one I spoke about. All right? So are we all together? Fine. Let's go to the next one. I am concerned about time. So let's have a look at a couple of job changes now. Because the thing about job changes, having the right mental attitude is really important. And this is what the Bible gives you. Turning your Bibles, please, to Esther chapter 2. So, Esther chapter 2. And in Esther chapter 2, I'll read a little bit so that we'll, we'll get the point and then we'll talk about it. Esther chapter 2. Now, I'll read from 1. And I'm going to switch to the Bible in basic English. The Bible says the following, Esther 2 verse 1, that's where we're starting, so everybody's together. After these things, when the king's feelings were calmer, the thought of Vashti, who was his wife, and what she had done and the order he had made against her came back to his mind. Then the servants who were waiting on the king said, let search be made for some fair young virgins for the king. Let the king give authority to certain men in all divisions of his kingdom to get together all the fair young virgins and send them to Shusha, the king's town to the women's house under the care of Haggai, 
the king's servant, the keeper of women, and let the things needed for making them clean be given to them. And let the girl who is pleasing to the king be queen in place of Vashti. And the king was pleased with the suggestion. And he did so. Now there was a certain Jew in Shushan named Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been taken away from Jerusalem among those who had been made prisoner with Jeconiah, king of Judah, when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken him away. So this is a man on a detour. Mordecai did not plan to go to Persia. Please keep that in mind. He was taken as prisoner. The Bible then says, and he had been a father to Hadassah, that is Esther, the daughter of his father's brother, for she had no father or mother, and she was very beautiful. And when her father and mother were dead, Mordecai took her for his daughter. And so when the order made by the king was publicly given out, and a number of girls had been placed in the care of Hegai, the king in the king's house in Shushan, Esther was taken into the king's house and put in the care of Hegai, the keeper of the women. And he was pleased with the girl and was kind to her. And he quickly gave her what was needed for making her clean and the things which were hers by right. And seven servant girls who were to be hers from the king's house. And he had her and her servant girls move to the best place in the women's part of the house. Esther had not said what family or people she had come from. Mordecai had given her orders not to do so. And every day Mordecai took his walk before the square of the women's house to see how Esther was and what would be done to her. The Bible says every girl had her turn and had to go into King Ahasuerus. After undergoing for a space of 12 months, what was ordered by the law for the women. And this was the time necessary for making them clean. That is six months with oil of myrrh and six months with sweet perfumes and such things as are needed for making women clean. In this way, the girl went into the king and whatever she had a desire for was given her to take with her from the women's house into the house of the king. In the evening, she went, and on the day after, she came back to the second house of women into the keeping of Shaskaz, one of the king's unsex servants who had the care of the king's wives. Only if the king had delight in her and sent for her by name did she go into him again. Now, when time came for Esther, the daughter of Abihel, his father's brother, whom Mordecai had taken as his daughter to go into the king, she made requests for nothing but what Hegai, the king's servant and keeper of women, had given her. And Esther was looked on kindly by all who saw her. So Esther was taken into King Ahasuerus in his house in the 10th month, which is the month Tebeth, in the seventh year of his rule. And Esther was more pleasing to the king than all the women. And to his eyes, she was fairer and more full of grace than all other virgins. So he put his crown on her head and made her queen in place of Vashti. Pause for a moment. So we're going to stop reading there. The rest of the story is absolutely fantastic, but notice, what do we learn? Esther's job changes. Two or three things I want you to notice about job changes. Number one, sometimes job changes happen without your involvement. That means circumstances can force a job change on you or a change of plans. That doesn't mean that God is out of control. Are we together? So what that means is notice, it sounds like one tragedy after another. First, they're taken prisoner. From Israel, they find themselves in Persia. When they get to Persia, Esther's parents die and she comes under the care of Mordecai, her uncle. 
who has a part to play in the future of the nation of Israel in Persia. Then the king gets angry with his wife, chases one wife away, and a search is made for a new one. And Esther is part of the crowd that is taken in. But notice, so Esther's, the first thing I want you to remember is the change was not at her request. So let me say this to somebody out there, please, just so this is a principle you can hold on to. Even if the change in plans is not at your timing or it's not something you've planned, that doesn't mean it's not God. So it might be unusual, but it is not evil. Are we together? So Esther's situation looks like, my goodness, this has gone from bad to worse. Now she's separated from her uncle. It might, I mean, how bad can it get? That's the first thing. So the change comes, it's not bad. Second thing about changing jobs and changing plans. You will always have a period when you are changing plans. Please listen where you have to learn a new set of skill. Esther had to learn Persian. She was raised Israeli. She was raised Hebrew. So she had to learn a new language. She had to learn about a new country. Then she was moved into a whole new world, which is the royal household. But she had to learn. So, ladies and gentlemen, when you're thinking about job changes, before you get your new job, and when you get a new job, before you, when you find yourself having a change thrust on you, know for a fact that the time has been presented to you to learn a new way of life. But notice something else. Mordecai and Esther did not look back. They didn't spend their time saying, well, it's not like this in Israel, so we can't make it. It was not like this before, so we can't make it. It's not, so focus where you are. And it's a phrase that's come up, and I'm going to say it now because I'm going to say it all evening because I really want you to learn it, is this. Blossom where you are planted. So even if you find yourself in a job, wow, let me not run ahead of myself. Even if you find yourself in a job that you dislike, but God says, don't move from, adjust, because he's teaching you something that you're going to need in future. Notice what it says. From the time Esther gets in, the Bible says from verse 8 and 9, Esther finds favor with someone who's never seen her before. Third thing I want you to remember, in the middle of a job change, in the middle of a change of plans, favor is your best friend. What happens? God will cause someone to like you. The Bible says, hey, guy just likes Esther. And I'm, I'm, it's one of these things. Notice, notice, this is just one passage. We have four or five to go to. This is just one. And the beautiful thing about it is this. The man has favor. And it's now, Esther now begins to realize that that is the one thing that's going to make all the difference in her life. That one thing, which is favor. The moment Haggai sees her, she has favor. 
The moment the king sees her, she has favor. If you read the story, and I encourage you to, and I'm not going to go through it tonight, the Bible says Esther goes into the king when she's not called, not once, but she goes twice. And the Bible says favor makes the difference. There is something on Esther, his name is the Holy Ghost, that makes somebody else like you. Now I'm going to give you a biblical reference that you can use for your declarations in the mornings. And please keep this in mind. So let me bring it back to 20, um, 2020. Before you start your next job search, or before you go into work tomorrow, or before you go for your interview, ask God for favor. Because favor will cause strangers to like you, not because of you, but because of God. Are we together? All right, let me give you a scripture reference for that, and I'll move on. So I'm going to break this point. There's a lot more I could say, but I'm going to skip forward. Write down this scripture, Psalm 5, verse 12. Psalm 5, verse 12. And I'm going to read the Amplified Bible. So this is something that I really want you to hold on to. The Bible says, For you, Lord, will bless the uncompromisingly righteous, him who is upright and in right standing with you, as with a shield, you will surround him with goodwill, pleasure, and favor. Now, somebody may say, but, but that says if I am righteous, and I don't feel like I am righteous. I don't feel like I'm upstanding. Now, this is where the Bible ties into the Bible. So I want you to declare favor over your life because you are the righteous and because God wants to bless you. But now you need a reason to kill the doubts to say, well, God, I don't really deserve it. Turning your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. And you realize that God has made provision for you. The Bible says, and I'll read it in the Bible in basic English. The Bible says, for him who had no knowledge of sin, God made to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let's tie the triangle together. Favor will make the difference when you're going through a job change. Top of the triangle. Second base of the triangle, God says, I will bless the righteous and I will surround him with favor like a shield. Third leg of the triangle, through Jesus Christ, you have become the righteousness of God. That means you can claim the benefits of a righteous man on a daily basis. And please hear me. When you're going through a job change, job search, you just need someone to like you. And if your CV is your representative, then you just need somebody to like your CV, to like your submission, to like your project, to like your face. That's all. And the rest, ladies and gentlemen, will be history. Okay? So let's wrap that up. Notice that one thing that Esther has changes the life of her nation. So now we've got the triangle. So we've got favor at the top. We have the declaration you really should say every single day on the left. And you have the reason the declaration will stand 
on the right. And that's how you build your declaration. You find the idea, find a place where the Bible says it, and find in Jesus Christ the reason you can claim it. All right? Fantastic. Let's go on to the next detour. Okay, yes, I want to go to this one. Um, turn your Bibles to Genesis 29, please. Genesis 29. Genesis 29, now I'm going to pick out Genesis 29. This is a detour. Jacob finds himself away from his parents because his brother wants to kill him for obvious reasons. That, again, is another story. Esau was very upset with Jacob, and he's, he's like, yeah, I'm just going to wait for my father to die, and I will send Jacob right after him. Jacob's father knows, and he says, you know what? Go to my mother's people first so that you can marry from there. Two, so you can stay alive. Jacob finds himself on a detour that was not of his making. When he gets there, he works for a man called Labor. Now, I would love to read the whole story, but I'm, I'm only going to read little bits of it. But the story is in Genesis 29. Okay, so let me read a little bit of it. So we'll pick out a couple of things. Um, I'm going to read from verse 1. <laughs> All right, I'm going to read from verse 1. The Bible says, Then Jacob went on his journey till he came to the land of the children of the east. And when he saw a water hole in a field, and by the side of it three flocks of sheep, for there they got water for the sheep. And on the mouth of the water hole, that's a well, was a great stone. And all the flocks would come together there. And when the stone had been rolled away, they would give the sheep water and put the stone back again in its place on the mouth of the water hole. Then Jacob said to the herdsmen, my brothers, where do you come from? And they said, from Haran, there's that town again, because Abraham's people still live there. And he said to them, have you any knowledge of Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, we have. Notice, let me, please, let me just put this in there. On your journey to a new job and your journey to a change of plans, it will be built on a series of fortunate events. There was no way Jacob knew that this particular well served the house of the person he was looking for. Who made it happen? God did. But I won't run ahead of myself and say what I want to say. I'm going to come back. But keep that in mind. A series of fortunate events will always work through a detour. Keep it in mind. Okay. And he said to them, have you got any knowledge of Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, we have. Verse 6. And he said to them, is he well? And they said, he is well. And here is Rachel, his daughter, coming with the sheep. Again, fortunate. And Jacob said, the sun is still high and it's not time to get the cattle together. Get water for the sheep and go and give them their food. And they said, we are not able to do so till all the flocks have come together and the stone has been rolled away from the mouth of the water hole. Then we will get water for the sheep. While he was still talking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep for she took care of them. Then... When Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, coming with Laban's sheep, he came near and rolling the stone away from the mouth of the hole, he got water 
for Laban's flocks. So notice, what does Jacob do? I'm going to pause there. Jacob waters the flock of a person who does not know him yet. And that singular act, if you read the whole story of Jacob, is the one thing that makes Jacob's life in the service of Laban amazing. So let me pause. Principle number two, going into a change. God has already put within you what you need to be successful where you are going. Now, why am I saying it like this? All Jacob did was water the flocks. The rest of his history is around flocks, sheep, and Laban's daughters. We'll come to that story. The Bible says God puts him in a situation he is qualified for even if he does not know it. Now, let me say this about job hunting. Take jobs that are available. Not necessarily, if the job you really desire isn't there, take what is available. God will stitch the story together. Because even if you are, and, 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 one of, and I, I won't tell you the testimony because I'll let the person tell you the testimony, but somebody I was speaking to, um, I think about a year or so ago, we were having a conversation and she was out of work and she was very, very faithful when we were doing the um, Tuesday evening prayer meeting. Absolutely faithful. She will come in and she will lead worship time and time and time again. And I knew that this girl's looking for a job. So we had a conversation one day. And she said, well, there's a particular type of job that I'm qualified for, but I don't want to ever do again. I said, you know what? Is that job available? She said, yes. I said, you know what? Take that job. That's how the Holy Ghost works. Why did I say so? I don't know. The Holy Ghost just said, tell her to do this. The whole, she takes that job. In that job, she excels because she knows her stuff. Someone in that job sees her and leaves and then recommends her to where they're going. And she gets her dream job through that recommendation. If she had not taken the job she hated, she would never have met the person that was about to change her life. So what do I want to say here? I want principle, I don't know, how, by the way, it's principle number three, 3.5, 7.2, that's fine. I've lost count, but this is the deal. When you go through a detour, God will ensure you meet the people that will change your future. So, ladies and gentlemen, the world is going through a detour. That means take jobs that are available, even if it's beneath your skills and abilities. And now, let me give you an employment tip. It is easier to get jobs when you are employed doing anything than when you are unemployed. Because work in and of itself brings a grace that idleness does not carry. Because when you come into a job, even if you're working in Sainsbury's and you're looking for a job 
in a bank or as a, you know, as a forex trader or something really special. Listen to me very carefully. There is an attitude and a grace when you come into an interview and it is, I'm already working. It says something about you. It says you're industrious. It says that you're flexible. And it says that you are a team player. That means you can adjust. Those are the things that people employ you for if five of you have the same CV. Also, resilience is always built outside of your comfort zone. Let me repeat that. Resilience is always built outside of your comfort zone. So Jacob finds himself outside of his comfort zone and God works on his character or his resilience. Esther finds herself outside of her comfort zone and God builds her into the kind of person he wants to ride and put a nation on their shoulders. Ladies and gentlemen, two key things. Take the work that is available because it will definitely cause you to meet the person that will change your future. Second, it will give you a grace so that when you are going for interviews or jobs, it makes a huge difference when you walk into an interview and you're already working and it's noticeable. And finally, it backs up the most famous phrase on anybody's CV, I am a team player. Because you have proved it by taking a job that's below your skills, but it's necessary and you can still hold your head high. All right. Let's go to another detour. Okay. Let me, I, I have, there's so much in this story, so much, but let's go to another one. Let's go to another. So I can drive home the point. Um, turning your Bibles, please, to uh, Genesis 20, ladies and gentlemen. Genesis 20. Abraham goes on a, he leaves where he meets God. He moves and he goes on a, on his journey and he finds himself around a king called Abimelech. Great preaching story, Genesis 20. What do I want to draw out from here? Abraham has a beautiful wife who happens to be 90 years old. She has a gorgeous wife and Abimelech says, who is this? Abraham said, it's my sister. He says, fantastic. We would love to marry your sister. They take Sarah from Abraham and they reward him greatly. And God has a conversation with Abimelech in a dream. And he says, you know what? You're a dead man. Not just you, all your people are dead. I am going to wipe out your whole existence. And Abimelech said, but we didn't, he didn't say that she was his sister. She's or his wife. She said he was his sister. We, we didn't do anything wrong. We, we, we've done nothing wrong, God. God says, that's why I made sure you didn't touch her. This is key. Come with me to verse 17 and verse 18. Abimelech confronts Abraham in the morning. Abraham acknowledges for the first time his challenge with, with a gorgeous wife. Then Abimelech says, God said you should pray for us so we can live. What does God ask him to pray for? Now, please remember what I'm about to say. 
Abimelech's people, God has cursed with barrenness. So none of them can have children. Abraham's prayer for the last 25 years of recorded biblical history has been, let my wife have a child. On this particular detour, verse 17 and 18 kick in. And the Bible says the following. Then Abraham made prayer to God and God made Abimelech well again. And his wife and his women servants so that they had children. For the Lord had kept all the women of the house of Abimelech from having children because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. God encourages Abraham to do for others what he would like done for him. Please remember this about details. You will give away what you want to get back and God will reward you for it. Why? Because when you go into a detour, what will build the bridge between you and the job you're going to or you and the place you find yourself is that you will be somebody else's miracle. On the back of that action, Genesis 21 verses 1 and 2 happen. And this is what it says. And the Lord came to Sarah as he had said, and did to her as he had undertaken. And Sarah became with child and gave Abraham a son when he was old, at the time named by God. Please, do what you are good at now. It will create an opportunity for what you are brilliant at later. And that happens on detours. So when you find yourself on a detour, pause for a moment and ask yourself a question. God, what do you want me to do here? Even if it's a temporary job, or even if it's a place that is temporary, ask the Lord, what do you want me to invest? And the Bible says it will be the bridge to what you want to happen next. Now, I have another detour, which is exactly the same, but just write the scripture down and I will just tell you the story. And that will close out this point. First Samuel 30, 11 to 16. First Samuel 30, 11 to 16. Same story. David goes on a detour. His wife and children have been taken away. Literally, the lives and everything that his men have worked for for so many years has been taken away, and he finds himself on a detour. In those verses, ladies and gentlemen, he meets an Egyptian, and he has the opportunity to kill him. He's kind to the Egyptian, and the Egyptian gives him the directions to where he wants to go. Pause for a moment. This is key. Wherever you find yourself, blossom where you are planted. What do I mean, blossom? Allow the God within you to come out of you wherever you go.
I remember one particular season in my life that, and I'll give you a very quick testimony and I'll go on to the next, um, actually I'll go on to, to the, what will be almost the last one that we take. I was working for a finance company, I was working for Barclays, Barclays Card, and I got an interview and the interview was for a job that was in London. I liked what I was doing, my skills fitted, and the guy promised me the job. So I basically, you know, accepted the job. We had a few conversations and the good thing was the conversations were by text message. And he said, right, we're ready for you. Please resign. Da, da, da. And so I basically resigned where I was and said, okay, I've resigned. They couldn't find him for a week or two. And then he said, oh, when they did get hold of him, he said, what do you mean you've resigned? I said, yeah, I've resigned. Like, it's like you said to me, I've resigned. So well, the job's not there anymore. There's been a management change. So now I've left one job. I don't have another one to go to. It felt like my world ended. Detours are not necessarily pleasant when they start, but God always works through them. I spend that um, three months of that, the next three months, I serve in church. So I basically served in the office in church, which was absolutely wonderful. I did what I really enjoyed doing, which was youth ministry, but I was working in IT at that time. I get a job at the end of summer, literally when my children were going back to school, I walk in for an interview, I get the job and it's, can you start tomorrow? Yes, I can, wonderful. And I walk into a job that I don't necessarily like. And I work with a very pleasant, hardworking lady. And I realize I'm good at what I do, but I don't, I don't like where I am. I didn't particularly like the company and I was, you know, I, I was a little bit frustrated, but then one day I was sitting at my desk and she was my manager, and I looked across at her desk, and I heard her talking, and I realized this lady has no children. And then I realized from some of the conversations that she had been trying for a very long time. So I made up my mind. I said, okay, God, while I'm here, I am going to pray for this lady. I'm not going to walk up to her and say, by the way, I am a Christian. Here's a bottle of oil. Stand back. Let me anoint you, and I'm going to lay hands on you. I didn't do that. They would have fired me the next day and then I may be on the BBC. No, 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 no. I just said, okay, Lord, she's not a Christian. And I don't feel the leading to do the evangelist thing. So I just said, Lord, I'm going to pray that this woman has children. So I prayed for about a year and a half and then I left the job. I went back two years later. I was in that area and I went back and you know, I was, I was back in London for a graduation. It was right next to my old office. I was looking good and I felt like, okay, let me go and say hi to the people that I left behind, which is natural arrogance. I literally went in and I popped in and I said, okay, hello everybody, I said, they said hi. And I noticed on my manager's desk, a picture of two children. And I said to the Lord, you were right that the whole reason this particular job disappeared and you put me in this one at this time was to say a prayer that the lady will never know was prayed. What am I saying? Blossom where you are planted. That means if you find yourself in a job that is way below your skills, you are there because this, please remember this, ministry is always about people. 
God will provide for you, but he will move you with a detour into the life of somebody who needs him. In response, God will move you to where you need to be. All right? Right. One more example. This one is specifically for somebody. Um, so when you're praying for a job, plan to be kind. Okay? Be kind to whoever you meet there and so on. Last one about detours. There are other things. Um, let Write these two things down before I say the last example. Number one, it doesn't matter if you have a good or a bad employer. It is God that will ensure that you prosper. Let me repeat that. It doesn't matter whether you have a good or bad employer. So there might be somebody on this call who's thinking, you know, I'm going to ditch the job I've got. It's really, I'm done with it. I can't handle it. They don't like me. So on. hear me well. You may not be where you want to be, but listen, you're not there alone. God made everyone that we've looked at today prosper irrespective of their employer. Esther prospered irrespective of the Persian system. Jacob prospered irrespective of a near criminal employer. Everybody, the Egyptian prospered even in the face of 400, 400 bloodthirsty killers. The Egyptian, God kept him alive. So listen to me very carefully. Who you are employed by is not necessarily the reason you will prosper. Hear me well. The Bible says, and this is what we learned when um, Pastor Shola led us through the story of Joseph. Remember this phrase, and God was with Joseph. So will he be with you. Just write that down. Keep that in mind in your job search. So don't be afraid to take an unusual job. The second thing is, it is God's will for you to work. Now, why did I say that? When you're praying from tomorrow about a new job, a new position, hear me well. It is God's will for you to work. Therefore, that means any prayer that you pray concerning work jobs or changes of work or jobs or employment, God will hear you because the Bible says you're praying according to his will. Here's the triangle. It is God's will for you to work. Left-hand side of the triangle, Genesis 1.28. The first thing that God does after he creates you, he gives you the ability to do something. First leg. Second leg of the triangle. So the first leg of the triangle is Genesis 1.28. I promise to slow down. Second leg of the triangle that shall form your confessions that God, it is your will for me to work. First John 5.14 and 15. The Bible says, if you pray for anything in God's will, second leg of the triangle, God says, I'll hear you. It is God's will for you to work. That means your prayers about your job, God will hear. Pray over your new job every single day. Last example, 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15. Let's wrap it up about detours. If I can find a place where Jesus made a detour to bless someone, then I know for a fact that God will bless me whenever I find myself on a detour. Turn in your Bibles, please, to John chapter 20, verse 11 to verse 
and we're going to go from 11 to 18. John 20, 11 to 18. <clears throat> the Bible says the following, but Mary was still there. Now, this, this is after Jesus has died, and this is the morning of his resurrection. And the Bible says, but Mary was still outside the hole in the rock, weeping. While she was weeping, looking into the hole, that is the, the, um, the old English word is sepulcher, grave. She saw two angels in white seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I have no knowledge where they have put him. Then looking round, she saw Jesus there, but had no idea that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? She, taking him for the gardener, said, Sir, if you have taken him away from here, say where you have put him, and I will take him away. This woman had faith. Different story. Different story. Then the Bible said, Jesus said to her, Mary. He called her by name. Turning, she said to him in Hebrew, Rabbani, which is to say, Master. Now listen carefully to the next two verses. Jesus said to her, do not put your hand on me, for I have not gone up to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I go up to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Then the Bible says, Mary Magdalene went with the news to the disciples, and she said that she had seen the Lord, and he said these things to her. Pause for a moment. Now, this is what I want you to hold on to about detours. That means six to 10,000 years of prophecy dovetail into one man's life, Jesus Christ. He dies successfully. He rises from the dead successfully. So all that's left is for him to present his blood, as you find in Hebrews 9, that he's to present his blood to God, and we are all sorted. But he takes a detour. Listen carefully. I'll, let, I'll answer your question in a moment. Listen carefully. He takes a detour because Mary needed something nobody else could give. And her faith would not let him go. So he stops the whole procession of creation to minister to one woman. And he changes history by what he says. Why did I say it was a risk? He said, don't touch me. Why? If I get to where I'm going and there is a spot on me, the whole thing is done. Yet he took the risk to minister. Then he goes on to heaven and presents his blood and we are free to go. Listen to me very carefully. Jesus took a detour to change the life of somebody. Ladies and gentlemen, that tells me if it happened for God, my example, God will bless me in a detour. Because Jesus took a detour before he went on to heaven, 
the Bible says that Jesus goes on to heaven. Where, um, where does it say he goes to heaven? Acts chapter 2, reading from verses 1 to verse 8. The Bible says Jesus is taken into heaven. Um, he goes, he, notice what he says. I'll answer your question. He says that I'm going to my father. That's the first time. So he goes to heaven, but then he reappears to his disciples. And then in Acts chapter 2, he's received into heaven to wait there until the time that the Lord sent him back. So if you're looking for a reference, where does it say that Jesus went to heaven is Acts chapter 2. Now, the Bible, keep this in mind. Jesus takes a detour. What do I want to assure you today, ladies and gentlemen? You might be on a detour. And this is where we end for tonight. You might be on a detour. You might be hunting for a job in a difficult circumstance. You might be going through something that you did not plan. Let me explain to you. God is in control. And so as you begin this week, what can you say? Lord, in the very same way that you ministered to Mary, Lord, minister to me. That in my detail, bless me. I would love to take your questions. What I will ask you to do, if you have any questions, send them and we'll deal with them in the coming weeks as we go on. Father Almighty God, we ask in the name of Jesus that your word does exactly what you plan for it. And I want it, please Lord, let your word be practical. Father Almighty God, let it cause your people to have their steps ordered into that series of miraculous events so that jobs, favor, kindness, and the blessings of a detour will rest and abide upon them from now on forevermore. Amen. Amen. Next week, we are dealing with what we call a whistle-stop tour over achievement. So we're going to have a look at what the Bible says about achieving the dreams and the goals that God has given you. Have a wonderful week, ladies and gentlemen. God will bless you.